Welcome to the In the Scriptures podcast. The following Bible lesson was previously recorded. Hello everyone. Uh, welcome you to our Wednesday night Bible study, opportunity to open God's Word together. Uh, as I mentioned last week, these uh, studies will be pre-recorded um, going forward at this time as we're back to uh, also meeting in the building at 7 p.m. each Wednesday night. So I want to invite you to come and be with us uh, in the building at Sandlin Road, if at all possible. And then uh, these video lessons could be just uh, an added opportunity uh, for you to open God's Word and study during the week. For those of you that are joining us from um, home, from the streaming uh, video on our Facebook page or uh, website. We're very glad that you're joining us and hope that you'll open your Bible and study with us uh, tonight. In these Wednesday night lessons, for over a year now, we've been looking at Bible character lessons, and in so many of those, we've actually looked at specific Bible characters and learned lessons from them. In the last few weeks, I have uh, shifted gears a little bit away from looking at particular Bible characters and instead looking at character traits that you and I uh, should put on and embody as Christians. And last week we talked about humility. This week I want us to talk about commitment. Commitment. You know, we really do have a problem uh, in our society and in our world, and it's not a new one. This is something that has been going on um, since the fall of man. And this it, it's a lack of commitment, and it shows itself in a number of ways. One of the ways that it really shows itself is in simply quitting. Uh, there are far too many instances where uh, as individuals we are tempted to quit something. Uh, we may quit something that's of a secular nature that just has nothing to do with spiritual matters necessarily. Um, you might have a, a young person who joins a, an athletic team, a sports team, and they get frustrated about playing time or frustrated about their relationship with the coach or frustrated about their uh, poor relationship with their other teammates or they just realize they're not very good at that sport and they might come to a parent and say the very words, I want to quit. And some of you as parents may have been faced with a situation like that and you may have even looked at... Um, your child and said, no, you're not going to quit. You're going to finish this. There are times in which maybe in employment, uh, with a job, uh, things don't go well. Maybe you have a bad situation, a bad circumstance, a bad atmosphere, environment. Uh, just any number of things could happen and you may just be at that point where you want to quit that job. And those are things that we're going to encounter in this life. And I'm not saying that there's not times in which you may need to quit. But sometimes it's too easy to quit. I, I think about it in um, my generation's time that's grown up with uh, the Internet, with video games and things like that. And I'll use video games as a specific example. But, you know, you could be right in the middle of a video game. And I like the, the sports video games I always have growing up. And um, you could be right in the middle of a game and be losing and just get mad and just turn it off and just quit and then restart it and start over. You know, life doesn't work that way, though. You, you really can't just quit anything and then restart and start over. It just doesn't work that way. So there's a danger in thinking that you can just quit anything. 
I would submit to you that this is a problem within the Lord's church, that far too many have taken an attitude that they could quit. Some have said it's even a disease, if you will, in the Lord's church. And it spreads. One person quits, then another. One family quits, then another. And before you know it, there's so much indifference and so much complacency and so much acceptance even of quitting that many members and many families just leave the church or leave service to God on any truly committed level. We might just ask ourselves the question when we think about ourselves and our family members, are we really spiritually minded or are we more worldly minded? Have we lost the focus that we need to have on spiritual well-being, spiritual activities? You might even think about it within our local congregations and say, you know, how many of our members, how many of us as individuals are actually committed to winning souls to Christ and growing the church and being a part of the work of the church? And it may be that the reason we're not doing those things is more or less a simple lack of true commitment. So in thinking about that, there's just a number of verses and lessons and scriptures that we could you know, take a look at and learn from. I want to begin in Colossians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you might open it with me to Colossians chapter 2. And in Colossians chapter 2, as Paul writes to the church at Colossae, there's a number of issues that are on the table, if you will. And Paul has faced conflicts, he's faced issues, and uh, there have been issues about uh, different philosophers and different false teaching uh, that's out there. And there's an encouragement that he gives to these Colossian Christians. Colossians 2, beginning in verse 4, he says, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So he's encouraging them basically to stay faithful and steadfast in Christ. He's encouraged by that. And he doesn't want them to be uh, persuaded by anything false. So then he goes on to say in verses 6 and 7, and this is key to what we're talking about tonight. He says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And how is this? He's going to describe it in verse 7. So walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And then he's going to give a warning in verse 8, to beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So let's spend a minute on verse 7 in particular because this is really the um, thrust of the message tonight. He's encouraging Christians to walk in Christ as you've received Christ. And the description of that is rooted and built up in Christ. You know, if you've got roots, then there's, there's a commitment to that. It's there. You ever tried to pull up something and try to pull it up by the roots and you know, this time of year we've got weeds that are coming up in our lawns and things. If you go out and you try to pull the weeds, it's amazing how some of those weeds, they're very soft, 
uh, fragile plants, if you will, on top, but they have got good roots. They know how to root in and be able to hold on. And so sometimes it's really hard to pull them up by the roots because of that grip that they've got in the ground. We know how deep-rooted a, a tree can be, especially a mature tree that's been there for many years. And so just think about our own faith as Christians. Do we have deep roots? Are we well-rooted in our faith? And built up. You know, it's amazing to go to a large city or um, a place in which there are tall buildings and just stand on the ground and look up at those tall buildings and how they are built up and how strong they clearly are to be able to stand at the heights that they stand, the size that they stand, to resist the winds and the storms, the weather. They're built up strong. Is that us in our faith? Can people look at us as towers of faith in that way that we're strong, that they know we're standing when the winds of this life blow, when the storms come? And notice in verse 7 also the last phrase there, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Abounding in it. You know, that's another thing. You, you may see a plant that's well-rooted, a tree that's well-rooted um, and has deep roots, but on the top surface it may be very tall and very high built up. But what if it's dead? What if there's no green leaves? What if there's no fruit? And so what I see here is him showing the picture of something that's well-rooted, grown to maturity, and also abounding in fruit. And would that describe us? Would that describe us in our walk of faith, in our spiritual life before God? Or would, would someone examine us and look at us, or would we look in the mirror and examine ourselves and say that we fall short, that we have very little root, that we have grown very little, and that we're not bearing much fruit. They're all very real things to think about. And I'm here to tell you tonight that as we really think about it and we're honest with ourselves, a lack of commitment could be the problem with all of those things. A lack of commitment could be the problem with all of those things. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Hebrew writer coming off of talking about the great people of faith and their commitment. That's really what their faith was showing. It was by faith. They were so committed to their faith in God that they were willing to do such phenomenal things. And after talking about that in Hebrews chapter 11, the Hebrew writer says in verse 1, Therefore we also, so just like these other great people of faith, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, since all, we've, since all these others have gone on before us, so to speak, and looked down upon us, so to speak, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run, and here's a key phrase, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance. That's another way of saying run with commitment. In verse 2, he says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Jesus as the ultimate example we see here of total commitment to God. And so that's really the question that sits before us tonight is, are we totally committed to God? Are we totally committed in such a way that we'll be rooted, built up, and abounding in our service to God spiritually? In Galatians chapter 6, uh, we're given an admonition in verse 9, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let's not grow weary in it. You know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes we just seem to grow weary in our faith. But our calling is to stick with it to the end. Our calling is to not grow weary, but to be committed and never give up. In Romans chapter 1, Beginning in verse 17, we read that in it the righteousness of God is revealed, talking about the gospel of Christ. In it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then there's a warning, beginning in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. And he goes on and continues to give a warning. And I just put that there for us to think about tonight for a moment because if we don't remain committed, the Bible, God warns us that destruction is coming. God warns us that there's consequences, that God's righteous judgment will come. And so we need to be committed. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus talks about uh, not worrying, beginning in about verse 25, He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, etc., etc. And as He goes on through the end of that, that chapter in particular, He's going to warn against worrying several times, multiple times. In Philippians 4 and verse 6, we're told to be anxious for nothing, to not worry about anything in that way. You know, sometimes maybe our lack of commitment is rooted in our worry and fear and the things that hold us back from actually moving forward in those ways. Have you ever felt like you were just choked by the worries of this life? You know, that could be the case and that may be where our commitment is struggling. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, we're told by Jesus, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Talking about the things that you need in this life, food, clothing, shelter, etc. Sometimes we get worried about uh, the cares of this life, the pleasures of this life, the riches of this life, and those things can weigh us down and choke us out. And Look at the parable of the sower and that seed that fell among the different grounds. And those different grounds ultimately revealed the different hearts. And you and I can find ourselves within that too and see whether or not our heart is ready to be fully committed to God and then grow and be rooted and bear fruit. And if it's not, one of the problems very well could be, just like we read in the parable of the sower and just like Jesus is teaching here, it could be that the worries of this life are choking our faith and our commitment. Maybe we have so many other commitments. You ever kind of had that thought? Man, I've just got so many commitments. 
Maybe we have so many other commitments that it's impossible for us to be fully committed to God. Our goal is to bear fruit as Christians. It should be. And we've got to plan for that. And we've got to make time for that. And we've got to make an effort for that. And we've got to be committed to that. Or else all these other commitments will take over. I would just encourage you maybe to sit down with a piece of paper and write down all the things that you're committed to. And in looking at those things, just ask the question, now where does God fit into this? And it may be eye-opening to reveal that, that we're not giving God what we need to. You know, in Galatians chapter 5, we read about the fruit of the Spirit. Beginning in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And notice verse 24 and, and think about commitment. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's a total commitment, isn't it? In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul said it this way. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. Total commitment. So I want to ask you tonight as we kind of wrap up our lesson, are you totally committed to God? Are you totally committed to Christ? Are you totally committed to God's Word and His commands and His instruction for your life? Are you totally committed to His church? To the church that Christ died for? To the church that Christ established through the work of His apostles? The message of the New Testament. Are you committed to your local church family? to worshiping and serving together. When you think about your list of commitments, is the church and your faith high on that list with specific priorities that you can actually write down? Because, you know, ultimately when we examine what it means to be a Christian... It does mean total commitment. When you look at the Scriptures, those early Christians, so many of them gave their lives because of their faith. They gave their lives. Are we willing to do the same? I'll leave you with this in Luke chapter 14. As Jesus teaches about discipleship, being a follower of His. I want you to notice as I read this that Jesus is going to make it clear that the kind of commitment we must give to Him would mean that our love for Him is greater than our love for anyone else, that our love for Him is greater than even our care for ourself, if you will, or our selfish desires, 
that our love for Him means that we're willing to not only count the cost, but take on the cost of being His disciple. And really, ultimately, it means that our love for Him and our following Him means that we'll give up anything and everything if necessary because we're totally committed. So read with me, Luke 14, beginning in verse 26, the words of our Lord Jesus, down through verse 33. Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation is not able to finish all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with ten thousand to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus is teaching us that following Him, following Him faithfully, truthfully, properly, requires total commitment. I hope and pray that you're totally committed to Christ. I hope and pray that you're totally committed to God's Word, following it in every way in your life. I hope you're totally committed to being an active part of the body of Christ, the Lord's church, in serving Him in every way you can by serving one another, worshiping with one another. And if we're not, let's rededicate ourselves to that. Let's make changes. Let's pull that sheet of paper out and look at our commitment list and let's make changes. Let's cut out the things that are taking time away from God and let's rededicate ourselves to giving time to God in the ways that we can. Will you pray with me tonight? Our Father in heaven, we humbly bow before you. We're so thankful that we can call upon you as our God and Father. We're so thankful that you are committed to us as your creation to redeem us through the blood of Christ, to give us hope of everlasting life when we least deserved it. Father, help us to have a heart of commitment to you Help us to live a life of commitment to You. Help us to worship and serve You within the church, committed to You. And Father, help us to get rid of any of the temptations to quit. Help us get rid of any of the temptations to be overcome with the busyness that this world can bring on us. And help us just to rededicate ourselves to faithful service to you. We want to be your disciples. And we want to be willing to leave it all to follow you. Father, we beg for your mercy and your forgiveness knowing that we stumble. Father, we pray tonight especially for those that are bereaved over the loss of loved ones. Those that are sick and suffering and recovering from illnesses. And many of us locally know of those among our number. We know that you know their needs as well. And we just beg 
for your blessings on them and pray that you might help us be servants to them as we can as well. We pray for the leaders of our land and other lands that they may bring peace on this earth and that we may have the freedom to worship you above all else. Father, we pray for the leaders in your church, elders all over. We pray that they may be faithful to you, that they may shepherd the flock, that many souls can be brought to you and may grow in service to you. Father, pray that you be with each of us as we strive to be your people. Help us let our light shine. Help us reach those who do not know you yet. Father, we're thankful for Jesus, for his sacrifice and his love, for the hope of heaven that we have because of him. Help us ever be looking to him, his example, his teaching. And help us always be looking forward to his return. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.